0: You are listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of The Invisible Man. As the attorney representing Adrian's trust, I'm required to read a prepared statement. Cecilia, although our relationship was far from perfect, I thought that you would talk to me rather than run away.
1: Are you okay? What happened to him?
0: He cut his wrist. Per his final wishes you're getting five million dollars contingent of course on the fine print it can't be ruled to be mentally incompetent it
1: just doesn't make any sense what adrian wouldn't kill himself
0: listen you're getting your freedom back okay don't let him haunt
2: you hello
1: scared of him anymore he was a sociopath completely in control of everything he said that wherever I went he would find me walk right up to me and I wouldn't be able to see him Are you okay someone sitting in that chair I found something that can prove cool. what I'm experiencing you need help? adrian is dead i went to his house today he's not dead i have a pile of ashes in a box that would disagree with you he has figured out a way to be invisible
3: only thing more brilliant than inventing something that makes you invisible is coming up with the perfect way to torture you even in death Adrian's true genius was how he got
0: in people's heads. Don't come any closer. Hey!
1: I'm not crazy.
0: Please listen to me.
4: You're saying the person trying to kill you is in the room right now. But we can't see him?
1: Easy listening? Where are you? Hey. Where are you? Show yourself! Come on! Do it! There you are
0: all right everybody you just listened to the trailers for the Invisible man and the story is as follows trapped in a violent controlling relationship with a wealthy and brilliant scientist, cecilia cass escapes in the dead of night and disappears into hiding aided by her sister their childhood friend and his teenage daughter the film starring elizabeth moss aldous hodge storm reed harriet dyer and oliver jackson cohen it is written and directed by Lee Wannell. Joining me for this podcast review, I have Cody Derricks. Hello. Danilo Castro. Hello, everyone. Josh Williams. What's going on, everybody? And joining us as a guest here for the first time ever on the Next Best Picture podcast from filmschoolrejects.com, we have Emily Kubinkanik here.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: No, oh, Thank you so much for joining us. How are you?
1: Great. How are you guys?
0: Uh, I, we all just watched a really, really good horror film, so I think we're feeling pretty good right now. <laughs> but, but is that so? Is that so? I don't know. I actually don't know what you all think about this movie. Um, I know how you guys. Um, I know you guys know how I feel. Um, I wrote my review on this one the other day. There's a lot to talk about with this one. Uh, you know, for a first quarter release, this will probably be uh, one of the most talked about films. I think for a lot of different reasons. And it seems like every year um, we're always getting a film around this time. Uh, last year was Us. Uh, year before that, it was... Um, well, actually, no, Get Out was a uh, year before that, actually. But still, we're, we there's usually like a one first quarter horror movie release that usually gets people talking, generally speaking. So with this year, it's The Invisible Man. Um, and it's, like I said before, directed, written by Lee Wannell, who previously directed uh, Upgrade and has written extensively in the horror genre with the Saw franchise, Insidious. So here we are now. Uh, Emily, you are the guest here on the show. Take it away. Tell us what you thought of The Invisible Man.
1: All right. Um, I was weary of this one because I love the 1930s version so much, Um, and I love Elizabeth Moss, and so I really didn't want to be disappointed, and I wasn't. I thought... It was scary, and I think it was a really good use of a remake because it's so different from the original one um, and in a modern way um, tells a different story. And I think all the performances were really great, and I loved the ending, so I really liked it.
0: Good. Awesome, yeah, I definitely agree with you that in regards to comparison to the original uh, black and white nineteen thirty three film, it's really really fascinating to see how um, the story can be retold um, and updated for a more modern audience. Not just with um, its use of tech, but also to its relevant themes, which I'm sure we'll all get into a little bit later as well. Mm -hmm. Josh, what about you? What did you think of the Invisible Man?
3: Yeah, I mean everything Emily said hit the nail right on the head. I think it did. The film does a very good job of um modernizing a very classic kind of movie um and it really does I think something that's very interesting about the movie is um one l's approach to negative space and so obviously since the main protagonist is invisible for a majority of the movie um they had to think of creative ways for how they were going to make some of the scenes scary and i think their patience to hold on certain emptiness and frames to let you feel the tension of maybe there is something there watching you uh, is excellent. And that was the thing that got me for a majority of the movie. Yeah, yeah, no,
0: definitely. There's some really, really creative filmmaking techniques that are uh, used here for maximum amount of dread for sure. Danilo, what about yourself?
2: Um, I was pretty excited to see this. It was nice to see in the promotions that this wasn't going to be sort of a generic reboot a la what Universal has been doing recently with like Dracula Untold and the Tom Cruise reboot of the mummy. Like this felt like there was a creative vision. This felt like there was an originality. There was a purpose for making it. So I went in with fairly high expectations and uh, I think they were mostly met. It's, it's it's really well directed. There's lots of atmosphere and there's lots of um, twists and turns, which I didn't really expect to get. So overall I was I was pretty pleased.
0: Yeah, I would say expectations-wise heading into this, I was a little uncertain myself. But, you know, it's also like it's if Elizabeth Moss is attached to your film, <laughs> you kind of get a feeling that, you know, it's probably going to be somewhat decent, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's always that. Cody, what about you?
4: Yeah, I thought this was a really solid movie. I, uh, I, I really like this recent trend of uh, using horror that's explicitly based around an existing anxiety in a uh, culture or like a specific set of people, which is not super new to horror. You know, it's been happening since all the way back to like Rosemary's baby, but it's really kind of experiencing a resurgence lately. think of movies like yeah. Midsommar and get out. And this movie fits really neatly right in with those movies. I think it's uh, definitely one of the scarier ones of those, uh, those, the micro this micro genre. I thought it was really inspired in its use of, um, Really tense moments, like was just mentioned, really like lingering cameras and you are kind of like scanning the frame the whole time and really, really appropriate thematically jump scares, which I always appreciate when jump scares are used to actually advance the story and not just get, you know, an explicit instinctual reaction from an audience. So, yeah, I I really enjoyed this one.
0: Yeah, it definitely has more jump scares than something like uh, *Midsummer* does, for example. But uh, what you were saying there, Cody, about its relevant themes and such, I think it all comes down to something that Danilo was talking about, which is this film was made with a purpose. And in the aftermath of the uh, Me Too movement and everything else that's been happening as a result of that, um, hearing uh, these kinds of stories, like I said before, taking a property that we're familiar with, but... Using it in a way to touch upon uh, things that are, um, like you said, a current paranoia that we're uh, going through or current anxiety or uh, just something that's just on the tip of our tongues that are happening in the news or just in our everyday lives. It helps to create a personal connection then to the movie um, that I know for myself um, I don't want to get too, too personal here, but I was really, really deeply affected by this movie. And I can imagine a lot of people were. So much so that um, when people have been asking me about this particular film, like, oh, should I see it or not? I almost have to, I think, provide a little bit of an asterisk next to it because the movie is so, so, so good at touching upon the traumas uh, of of an abusive relationship, the psychological trauma that comes along with it, um, that It could be very triggering, I think, for some people. Uh, But I think that's a testament to just how well executed the movie is.
4: Yeah, because the title, The Invisible Man, doesn't only refer to this specific invisible man. It can be kind of seen as a, a title that people can give to anybody who perpetrates an abusive relationship because that person then kind of always is with you. They're the invisible man following you around.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then there's also... Uh, the gaslighting aspect of the movie that gets touched upon uh, uh, and it's just like so brilliantly laid out about how this woman is trying to tell people that this invisible man is tormenting her and is ruining her life and is trying to exhibit this degree of control around her and no one believes her and I think it all comes kind of comes back to um, just women being believed when they are telling their stories of abuse and how much um, you know throughout history Um, They were, you know, just completely disregarded and not believed. And so I think this movie is like really, really hammering that message home in a way that if you watch a film like this and you don't at least walk away from it feeling somewhat transformed or uh, having like an epiphany moment, an aha moment, just some level of clarity that you once previously didn't have maybe in regards to that. I don't know what to tell you. I I, I hate to say that there might be no hope for you, but Jesus Christ, <laughs> you know, it's like, how do you not just get it after watching a film yep. like this, you know?
2: And not only that, but I think it does it in a way that uh, services the story and services the mythology of the character and, and does it in a way that I don't think is... Um, sort of insulting to what came before it you know what I mean I think it, it manages to do both simultaneously
1: yeah I definitely agree um I think the interesting thing that happened to me was that I went to go see this after like immediately after the Harvey Weinstein verdict oh came yeah out. that was
0: like right around the same yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and
1: so I went into it angry and then like I think I wouldn't say clarity but um at the end was a satisfying end and, like, one that we don't normally get in, like, the real-life experiences with abuse. And, like, and so it's comforting, (laughs) which is really a weird thing to say. But um, in a way, it is, because we don't get to see that in real life.
0: No, my audience reacted through the roof roof by Mm -hmm. the end of this movie. I mean, just, like... Total complete satisfaction, and my God, for a moment, I want to just shout out Benjamin Walfish, who did the score for this movie. Mm-hmm. What a very interesting direction uh he chose to take the score for this because this is not like a typical horror movie score at times, mm-hmm. and it, it's 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 pretty it's very uplifting, like these like soaring strings and such. I'm just like,' whoa, you know, yeah. I really think it helps to sell it by the end of the film for sure,
1: yeah, I listened to it for fun yesterday <laughs> Which, i don't know what that says good boy me,
0: but <laughs> um and then you know talking just uh, sticking with the technicals for a minute here um how many people here saw upgrade uh I've, yeah i've seen it you're the only one not me sorry i have not unfortunately that's okay yeah me either i'll be honest with you i wasn't the biggest fan of upgrade i thought it was oh. fun and fine i wasn't like through the roof like you know overly ecstatic about it but I thought that Lee wan L showed uh, great promise with some of the filmmaking techniques he employed there and part of that was um, the use of the camera yeah. and these deliberate camera moves and how um, he's able to track um, the subjects that he is uh, positioning within the frame. So I, I'll never, ever forget there's that one great shot in Upgrade where the character leans back and the camera then tilts uh, mm. along with the character. Oh, and then yeah. as the character comes back upright, the camera also comes back upright. It's just really, really cool stuff like that. And we see that getting used here as well. Um, I, I think about the moment where Elizabeth Moss like um, falls on the floor at one point. Mm -hmm. And the camera, uh, you know, kind of tracks along, uh, you know, her eye line and also falls down to the floor. There's like these really, really inventive um, and very uh, creative uses there that I I found to be just very um, uh, like it wasn't distracting. Um, As we said before, I think it was always in service
3: of the story at all times. And it also didn't ever feel overly showy to me. He brings back a lot of the upgrade stuff like in that action scene in the mental hospital at the end when it's like whipping around everybody Mm. fighting the invisible man. Okay, really quick.
0: I have to say, this is one of my nitpicks with, with the movie. I want to get this out of the way for a second here. Here we go. Okay, so Adrian Griffin, all right, this wealthy scientist, CEO of Optics, right? Uh... Millionaire, whatever. Okay, complete total douchebag. How strong is this guy, really? <laughs> I know. Come on. When he got invisible, he got super strength. Don't you know? What I it was like, That's come it on. Like, I, 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 get it. Like, I understand that you want to make your antagonist an overwhelming force, but come on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> there, know.
2: There's a scene where um, Elizabeth Moss's character gets picked up
0: mm-hmm.
2: by her neck. And yeah. it's several feet. It's very <laughs> high up, <laughs> and you're like, "How tall is he?" And then when you see him, eventually, it's like, "I don't think that
4: adds up." <laughs>
0: he's like an average, like height-looking guy.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, if I, I know, he's the pretty fat, buff.
0: <laughs> Yeah,
4: <laughs> If I can defend the way I took it was like that. That one moment also took me out. I was like, wait a minute. But the, the actual <laughs> fighting, I think part of fighting is also like having your defenses up. And when you don't know exactly where the next attack is going to come from, you're going to be easier to strike down. Maybe I've clearly never been in a fight. So that's but maybe that's, that's that works. <laughs> yeah, <since> they did <laughs> sure, know where it's it coming from.
3: Yeah, no,
0: I, I think you're right on the money with that, Cody. If I were to just get hit in the face right now, unexpectedly, like jackass style from <laughs> like, bam. Magaro, something like you know that was a very deep cut reference um i think i would get that ever-living wind knocked out of me for sure
2: maybe he has lessons <laughs> uh
0: i will say though that the um action scenes in this movie if you want to call them that i do think that they are really well impressively uh choreographed um there are moments in this movie where i was in shock that it was made for less than $10 million. Yeah, that's pretty wild. And then there were moments where I was like, oh. You can tell. Those visual <laughs> effects definitely screamed that I was made for less than $10 million. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, you know, there, there's like an impressive oneer uh involving Elizabeth Boss in the house at one point. And just the level of physical uh, acting that yeah. she would have to do, uh, you know, acting opposite nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna take a wild guess here that that is wire work.
4: That's what I for I'm the most too. part. Yeah,
0: I don't think that there's an actual person that they um, digitally painted out. Yeah. So I mean, that's very impressive. I think from a technical standpoint, at least.
4: And speaking of text, um I kind of want to uh, just go off of what you mentioned before about putting us in the character's headspace because I think the tech that does the best job of that is the sound mix. Yes, it's just incredible, really dynamic use of every single channel in the theater. I saw this in Dolby and I could not recommend it more. It really just puts you on the edge of your seat and it makes you pick up on the tiniest little changes in the sound mix. It was really good work.
0: Like there's a moment where um, she's afraid to leave the house, even though he's dead. You know? Oh no, no no no! I'm sorry. This is before she finds out that he's dead. Uh, but she's afraid to leave the house. And when she actually leaves the house and like just this, just the sound of her putting her foot on the ground. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I, I I'm right there with you, Cody. I think that. Not only Elizabeth Moss's performance, but the little moments like that that really get us to deeply empathize with a character like that. It really does help to make the movie a worthwhile emotional investment on our part. So that this way, when we walk out of it, it wasn't just another horror film with jump scares. Like, there was, it was a horror film with jump scares with something to say with a character's journey that we deeply care about.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And my God, like some of the scenes where, um, like, nothing's happening, you know, it's like the middle of the night, she wakes up. You know, he's in the room. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't see him, but you know, he's there. The use of sound, uh, to your point there, Cody, and just like, uh, you know, the, the creaks of the house or the wind outside or whatever it is, you know, that they're um, highlighting to be able to just kind of make it so that it's not dead silence. Because uh, any little sound could possibly be the invisible man. And it's, it's freaky. It's freaky right. as hell. It's
4: not mm-hmm. muted, it's really aware of how we perceive lack of sound not silence like a distinct absence of noise or the use of you know tiny little moments of noise yeah Yeah. when you wake up in the middle of the night and every every
3: subtle movement is very seems very loud to you exactly and i was just very impressed with the
0: restraint that was uh used in regards to the jump scares uh because they're they're very spread out considering his background like they're not they're not frequent you know
4: Yeah, there's one involving paint that really got me. I'm not a very paint person. That Mm -hmm. had me, like, truly leap in my seat. (laughs) And again, it was thematically appropriate. It wasn't just, like, a bird flying into a window or something, which I (laughs) hate. Yeah, none of
0: it was cheap. Right. I think the one that got me was uh, involving – it's early in the movie, but it was involving a dog bowl. (gasps) Oh, yeah. Oh. mm -hmm. That was a good one. That was – Oof! That that woke me up. I will tell you that much. Oh, really quick, another side note. Plot hole. Who's been feeding that fucking dog?
3: Well, him, because he's alive. He's invisible. He's still at the house. Really? Yeah, you house. think? Yeah, he's going back feeding the dog. Uh, I, okay. All right. Fine. All right. All right. Last one.
0: Last one. um Best best Uber driver on the history of the like the planet.
3: Yes. I said the exact same thing. I I. I, I, I what tip did she leave him? <laughs> you well, just know, the drive alone is probably like two hundred dollars. <laughs> oh <laughs> my
0: god! When she's like, I might be two minutes, I might be twenty, I don't know. I'm like, if that man is still out there when she gets out, and like, he is the best Uber driver, like, ever, <laughs>
2: ever. <laughs> Nerves of steel, that guy. Okay. Seriously. I love that
1: they like cut immediately from the house to them driving away, so we didn't have to see the interaction.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Talk about. Not a real fear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, I, I said before that I thought that the visual effects on the Invisible Man suit itself were pretty bad. Honestly, um, what do you guys think of that? Did did that take you out of the movie once they revealed the actual suit and the glitching and stuff? Like, how'd you guys feel there? It didn't really bother me.
2: Um, I will actually say this: the, the visual of the suit itself didn't bother me, but. There were moments where um, the character was speaking while we saw the suit and it, it felt uh, hokey in a way that the rest of the horror didn't really feel. Yeah. It, just, it was hard to take him seriously as a menacing force while he's wearing that big suit. Mm-hmm. And so I would have maybe preferred it had he not spoken while wearing it. Interesting.
4: I thought it looked about as good as the effects in Hollow Man uh, 20 years ago, which is very yeah. much a similar movie, uh, mm-hmm, My but God. not really escalated beyond that, unfortunately. <laughs> but again, it didn't really take me out of it. It was I was OK with it.
0: I genuinely wish I could have found time to rewatch that in the lead up to this just to revisit uh, how bad oh, <laughs> the filmmaking it. tropes of that time were. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Another thing, too, I also want to uh, touch upon here is I want to touch upon the supporting cast, actually. Uh, Elizabeth Moss is rightfully going to receive all the credit in the world, and she deserves it. This is a really, really fantastic performance from her. But I was very impressed with how much Lee wan L fleshed out the relationships that she has with the other characters in this movie. Um, It did not ever feel for me, and this is something that can happen Quite often, especially within this genre, um, these didn't feel like throwaway characters at any time. They actually felt like uh, they were active participants within the story with something to do, and everybody got a moment, you know?
3: So I I was very, very happy about that. I think he does a good job at making you realize that all of the characters also individually care about each other. Like they have, like you just said, they have that prior relationship built. Um, And I think a lot of times in movies that gets ignored where you can focus on showing small moments where uh, you can show how the trust they've built or how good of friends or, you know, co-workers they are. And I think this movie does a really good job of that.
1: Um, I love the relationship with the sister. Yeah. I think Harriet Dyer is the actress. I think she did a wonderful job. And I think, like, those scenes with her and Celia um, talking about how they... Are not, I don't know, like, she doesn't include her in everything that went on in this relationship. And that, like, was a cool way to show how isolated she was and how she's really the only person to know what he's capable of. And so it's kind of—it's believable that these people wouldn't believe her um, as all this stuff is going on.
0: Yeah.
4: Right, because we need to be able to be— understanding of the fact that these characters would not believe her and not be just kind of like, oh, come on, look what's happening to her. We we, we believe their disbelief, if that makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, in particular, Aldous Hodge, I thought was really good at selling the, like, wanting to believe her, but not, you know, not being able to comprehend everything that's happening and also having to keep his daughter safe. He was, mm-hmm. he was great. Yeah. I also got to say, there's one scene where he's leaning on a bedpost and he has the biggest triceps I've ever seen in my life. I knew
0: it. I was like, someone's going to bring this up at some point. I have a note here as well. Work out much? So, (laughs) good job, Aldous. Oh, my God. Him and Sterling K. Brown uh, definitely are workout buddies. I'm sure of it. (laughs) Abnormally jacked men. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm just glad someone brought that up. All righty. Um. Also, too, uh, there's a, a. I don't know if it was a good twist necessarily, but there, but there is a um, a moment involving uh, the antagonist's uh, brother as well, who's also um, a lawyer. Uh, that I, I, I will say this: there's a there's a great, great, great moment with um, him and Elizabeth Moss in the uh, mental hospital later on. Mm-hmm. That I that I was like, oh like, oh, this movie is getting juicy. You know, I I definitely had a good (laughs) reaction to where the story was taking me in terms of um, its twists. And um, I will say I thought that uh, Elizabeth Moss herself, when uh, they really got to the uh, mental hospital uh, stage of the movie, um, that's where it started to go into a territory for me where it was like, wow, like Elizabeth Moss is she's getting a lot to do in this, and this movie's really, really pushing uh, its themes pretty far. And it started to then veer into a direction where I genuinely was like, I don't know where we're going to end here. I don't know where this is going. Because I I always suspected for a Blumhouse production that's less than $10 million, I thought we would kind of just stay within the suburban area. I didn't know that we were going to start going into this territory. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And then for the movie not to end in the parking lot, which I thought was the, I thought that was the ending of the movie. I
2: thought so. You know, I'm
0: like, Oh, this is the big climactic showdown, you know? And then there's another showdown later on back at the house. And then there's another showdown after that at the big fancy house. And I was like, yo, this movie, I, I was just like, I'm loving the direction that this movie was constantly taking me in. And every time I felt you know, this is an appropriate place for the movie to end if it weren't. And here, it kept finding a better ending each
4: time. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Well, it was really smart and devoted to the resolution of its own themes. It was, you know, for a thematically heavy movie, it's important to have the follow through in this movie. This movie definitely has that.
2: Absolutely, yeah, totally. I was gonna say, there's a moment. I'll just say the cause that she ends up in the hospital is very shocking. The scene that leads up to that. Oh, but, uh, yeah. the 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 the, the dinner scene. Yeah. Yes. yes.
0: Some of oh my, my audience
4: literally went, Oh no. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were a couple that gasps me anything when about
0: I saw the it. movie. Uh I will say one of the most bone chilling moments in the movie for me, um, it's it's something that's tied to that scene, but it happens earlier and it was uh in the kitchen when uh the prop of the knife just ever so oh. gracefully just moves off the counter at one yeah. point. I like Little things like that, uh, just the amount of tension that is built, because then at at that point, you just don't know what's going to happen. And I I don't know if you guys had this feeling, too, but I I had it at first. I kept wondering to myself, okay, if I was invisible and, you know, I think this is like me being conditioned as a viewer to think this way at first. um, I'm like, he has so many opportunities to kill her. And then you realize, oh, no, he doesn't want to kill her. Yeah. Oh no, no, because that would be too simple, and that's not the kind of game that this character is uh, ultimately playing at the end of the day, and that's not sticking with the themes of the movie either, you know. And so, as a result of that, I remember thinking at first like, oh, this kind of hokey, you know, that mm-hmm. he's fucking with her like literally this much and not ultimately uh, killing her when he has every opportunity to do so. And then you, what's even scarier than that though, is that he doesn't kill her. And he is just ruining her life. Uh, that is truly horrific.
2: It is. And it's a good narrative justification for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, with that said, final thoughts. All right. So, any uh, thing that we uh, didn't get a chance to touch on that you want to bring up or reiterate? Emily, uh, you go first. Any final thoughts on The Invisible Man?
4: Um,
1: I really liked it. I think um, it's one of those movies that I would return to for sure, which doesn't always happen with like um, remakes and newer horror movies for me personally. Um, And so I think that says something about how much I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I think that knowing also like how this movie ends and how we get there and everything does Mm -hmm. make it a uh, experience where it's like, yes, it could be deeply horrifying and traumatic and upsetting Uh, Emotionally, for a lot of people, I'm sure, but oh man, that ending chef's kiss fantastic, (laughs) sweet payoff in the end. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cody, what about yourself?
4: Yeah, I'll just repeat what I said earlier about this being another in the recent trend of socially aware and realistic fear based horror movies with actually really good scares. I, I recommend it, Josh. What about you?
3: Yeah, I mean, everything everybody said, I think, um. One of my favorite aspects, as I mentioned earlier, is L's use of negative space. Um, the themes are very <clears throat> easily relatable and have are, do a very good job of sucking you into the movie and keeping your attention the entire time. Um, yeah, it's, it's very excellent. I think it's a movie that I'm going to remember for the rest of the year. Okay. And Danilo? Uh,
2: I want to reiterate how good Moss is in the film. She was a fantastic performance. She's given a lot to do physically emotionally and i think she nails every beat um in terms of quibble that i have i will say i think some of the dialogue is a little bit clunky or expository at times there was a line in the hospital scene that you mentioned matt where um there's there's a a really strange line where she mentions like a jellyfish and compares one of the characters and it just like struck me as just audibly very odd it was kind of like oh but
0: like i i see like like you can make the point w- like which is the punchline moment without the jellyfish comparison basically yeah
2: just, <laughs> yeah yeah it just it's a first drafty. <laughs> mm-hmm. um but uh, that, that's that's really the, the the last little minor issue i have with it and i think the film compensates for it with with its tone with its atmosphere with its themes so but that that's yeah that was my little two cents of negativity there uh,
0: my last uh, bit I wanted to say is that I really genuinely hope that Universal continues down this sort of a trend um, I don't like these big budget horror movie monster spectacle thing like I like I it's it's like it it's like they were trying to marvel uh, the, the the horror genre and it's like you oh, just can't do that. Were. Yeah,
4: the Dark You just can't.
0: <laughs> so I would I, at this point, if they wanted to continue down this uh, direction and under this guidance with um with Jason Blum and uh, Blumhouse and what they are doing over there, I would say yeah, let's 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 try doing Dracula. Let's try doing the Mummy. Let's let's go. You know, like I'm, I'm all for it at this point, but it's got to have a purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's got to make sense. You know, you can't just do it for the sake of doing it. I'm sorry. You know, this movie actually has something to say, and that's going to win out every single time. And I think that as a result of that, this movie is going to be quite financially successful because I think the word of mouth will be very, very positive on this one. Versus, what was it, Dracula Untold? You said before. Yeah. That movie fully does not exist, so <laughs> don't worry about how much money you did it. Didn't it's me. the one and only time Dracula Untold will be brought up here on the yep. Next Best Picture podcast. <laughs> All right, grade out of ten, Emily. What's your grade out of ten?
1: Hmm. Um. I think a uh, seven.
0: Okay. All right, Cody. What about yourself?
4: I'm also going with the seven. It's it's nice and solid. It doesn't truly ascend to like wow. This we need to consider this for Oscar territory. Something like Get Out or Midsommar, which I both gave eights. So yeah, I got to give it a seven.
2: Okay, Daniela. I'm going to give it a seven as well. Um, I think, uh, like Cody said, it's 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 very solid. It's very well put together. But I don't think it necessarily will ascend into uh, like my all time favorite horror films or anything like that. Okay, Josh.
3: I thought about caving and just giving it a seven to be cool, but I give it an eight because I think it's very well done. I was genuinely surprised.
0: And thank God, Josh, because I too also gave it an eight. And I was like, am I going to do only an eight? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, No, I I must admit uh, this movie resonated with me in a very, very deeply personal way, in a way that I was not expecting heading into it. Um, I only watched, I think, one trailer for this. And to be honest with you guys, I did not really think much of it. I had like no expectation for it heading into it. I genuinely thought it was going to be crappy, but pleasantly surprised and something that I am actually looking forward to revisiting, like Emily said, and I just I did not think that that was going to be the case here. Uh, and I'm actually genuinely excited, too, to see where Lee Wan-El goes next because um I think Upgrade has a lot of flaws, but there is a lot of potential in there, and I think that potential has been more fully realized with The Invisible Man, so I'm excited to see I'm excited to see what he tackles next and how he tackles it. And I think that, you know, with the right material and the right amount of time, I think that he could be uh, regarded at the same level as someone like Jordan Peele or Ari Aster are right now with their um, uh, recent horror film efforts. I I think Juan L's done a lot for the genre. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that he's ever gotten the same level of respect that you hear those uh, filmmakers receiving, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, agreed. I think though the path has been laid out, you know. So we'll see. We'll see what he does next, and take it from there. Okie dokie. So Oscar potential for the Invisible Man. Uh I I think the conversation starts and ends with only two things: best actress and best sound mixing. And listen, I was hesitant to even say best actress, but after Lupita Nyong'o got revived by critics last year and got this extraordinary push towards uh, what ultimately led to a SAG nomination and almost an Oscar nomination. I have to ask, could we be seeing the same thing happen uh, this year, potentially, for Elizabeth Moss? I think, unfortunately, no.
4: I would be, I would say otherwise if the past two years, rightfully, that we had um, horror actresses and best Actress with Toni Collette 2018, Lupita Nyong'o last year, maybe even Florence Pugh last year for Midsommar, but it's mm-hmm. just very, 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 very clear that the Oscars absolutely completely disregard horror movies and this it doesn't even have the um the the uh, the privilege of being kind of elevated horror like an a24 kind of situation uh like this is like a blumhouse low budget uh production so i don't think it's gonna unfortunately make it i agree unfortunately because i think it is a very good performance
0: yeah i mean like i'll be honest i don't think it's gonna make it either but i wouldn't be surprised if critics tried to make it happen
4: yeah I mean, we'll see what else the year holds for the category. You know, it's like so early, but she'll she'll definitely be somewhere on my long list, personally.
0: Yeah. Uh, And then, Cody, you brought up the sound mixing and singled it out. So I'm curious to know, could we see maybe a lone sound mixing, Uh, you know, nomination, maybe?
4: I I think I look at my first thought is like the precedent set by Quiet Place. But that movie, like it's even in the title, like that is all about the sound. And it's something that like the. Um, Academy can still respect. Uh, I don't think, unfortunately, this is either going to make it. Either again, it will be, definitely be on my ballot, but you know, we'll see.
2: Anyone else have thoughts on that? Mm, I kind of echo Cody's sentiments yeah. again.
4: Yeah, it's just disappointing that horror doesn't get respect even in tech categories because like for makeup, for example, it's constantly been iconic makeup work and horror throughout the years. And it's pushed the envelope and pushed forth the just the, the actual uh, field of makeup and it just doesn't even get respect there. So I, I, I don't think unfortunately it will happen.
0: I will never forgive the suspicious snub from two years ago.
4: <laughs> but even stuff like Nightmare on Elm Street didn't get nominated, like things like that. Yeah, it just doesn't happen.
0: A day will come. Mm. A day will come. Hopefully. All right. So Emily, thank you so much for joining us here today for our podcast review of the Invisible Man. We really, really appreciate having you here today. Um, Why don't you tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the internet?
1: Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm on Twitter way too much at Emily (laughs) K U B underscore. um, And You can read anything that I write on Film School Rejects. I'm going to have an essay coming out about The Invisible Man uh, next week. And, yeah.
0: All right. Awesome. Can't wait to read that essay. Cody? Cody? Where can I find you on the internet?
4: So I am also, unfortunately, an overuser of Twitter. You can find me there at CodyMonster91. I'm also on Letterboxd Instagram. And if you liked me talking about horror, you can check out my – I have a horror movie podcast called Halloweeners. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at HalloweenersPod, and we're on all the podcasty places.
3: Nice. Danilo?
4: You can find me on Twitter
2: at DaniloSCastro.
3: Josh? You can find me on Twitter at Josh underscore 9
0: And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our podcast review of The Invisible Man here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon.